0: Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 171, The Resurrection of the Dry Bones. I'm Mayor Solovadric. The moment that changed the life of Leslie Hardman, a Jewish chaplain staffed to Britain's Second Army, came two days after Bergen Belsen was liberated. Hardman was told by a fellow soldier, Keep a stiff upper lip. We've just been into Belsen concentration camp and it's horrible. But you have got to go there. You'll find a lot of your people. As Hardman recounts in an interview, upon arriving at the camp, he first encountered a Jewish woman whose decrepit appearance was so horrifying that he instinctively backed away, provoking her to cry out in Yiddish, do not leave me. Do not go away from me. He steeled himself, walked toward her, and suddenly realized, as he further approached the camp, that this terribly sad specimen of humanity was not unique. As he said, quote, Towards me came what seemed to be the remnants of a holocaust, a staggering mass of blackened skin and bones, held together somehow with filthy rags. My God, the dead walk, I cried aloud but I did not recognize my voice. End quote. All too soon, Hardman would learn that those that he had termed the walking dead were the lucky ones. The British had created mass graves for those who were murdered. Hardman protested at this lack of respect, but he was told by the soldiers, Padre, we've got to get them under the ground, otherwise we'll all suffer from typhus. Thus were Jews buried by the thousands, denied everything in death as they were in life. All this is from Hardman's own reports. But perhaps most haunting of all is a photograph that captures Hardman standing all alone at a mass grave, reciting Kaddish. Amongst the bodies over whom he prayed may well have been Anne Frank, who had died of typhoid at Belsen months before. The experience would remain with Hardman, a dedicated Zionist, his entire life. And in this, he was not alone. Joining Hardman in praying for the dead and in ministering to the survivors was another ardent Zionist, Hermann Helfgott, a Hungarian rabbi serving in the Yugoslavian army who had himself just been freed from a POW camp. Helfgut recounts how one survivor, a mother, had beseeched him to defy the British policy of mass graves and help her bury her dead daughter in a single grave. This he did in the dark of night, and describing the faith shown by the mother. He later reflected, from that moment on, I have to say, I was a different man. These are the experiences of two chaplains in Bergen-Belsen who encountered a specter of death. They might easily have wondered, what can be the future of a people who had experienced such a horror? But the answer to such a question, as they themselves witnessed, was given by the resolute indomitable spirit of the very survivors that they met, a spirit that vindicated a prophecy uttered long ago. In chapter 37, Ezekiel gives us his most haunting and justifiably famous prophecy. He is shown by the Almighty a valley that is filled with skeletons, dry bones. Verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold, a shaking and the bones came together bone to bone. And when I beheld lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. At this point in the prophetic vision, bones have rejoined, flesh has reformed, but carcasses, they remain. Now Ezekiel is commanded to direct the spirit of life within them. Verse 9. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. The resurrection witnessed by the prophet is meant to embody the resurrection of the Jewish people itself. And the words of... Ezekiel would go on to inspire the most famous Hebrew song of the 20th century, as I have briefly referenced in Bible 365 before. Hardman and Helfgott can be seen standing side by side in a video of an eve of Sabbath service that occurred in Bergen-Belsen right after liberation. BBC reporter Patrick Walker witnessed this moment, what he called, quote, probably the first Jewish service held on German soil in absolute security without fear for a decade, end quote. Walker then described the scene, quote, Around us lay corpses that there had been no time to clear away, even after five days. During the service, the few hundred people gathered together were sobbing openly, with joy at their liberation and with sorrow at the memory of their parents and brothers and sisters that had been taken from them and gassed and burned. These people knew they were being recorded. They wanted the world to hear their voice. They made a tremendous effort which quite exhausted them. Listen. And then, the BBC recording allows us to hear the soulful Hatikva that was sung, with one woman's voice swelling amidst the others thus concluded a Shabbat service of Jews surrounded by mass graves, with a defiant hatikvah. They thereby illustrated that they were not, as hard men in thought, walking dead, but rather Jews whose bodies were savage but whose souls were still vibrant within. And as I described in a lecture delivered, in memory of Stella Singer, and later in an article in Commentary, what Patrick Walker could never have known is that what was taking place was an almost literal reenactment of the biblical story that inspired Hatikva, Ezekiel, after witnessing the dry bones miraculously come to life, is informed that it is a metaphor for exiled Israel. Verse 11. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord, when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it, and performed it, saith the Lord. In Ezekiel's metaphor, the house of Israel says, Ovda tikvatenu, our hope is lost, and God responds by urging hope, promising restoration. The song Atikvah, inspired by the words of Ezekiel's vision, Thus asserts Odlo Avda Tikvatino, our hope is not lost. Thus at Belson, biblical and contemporary times merged. The Jews are literally surrounded by skeletons and are themselves, as Hardman put it, a, quote, staggering mass of blackened skin and bones, end quote. But they find within themselves the spirit and wellsprings of hope. The power of perseverance is the source of Jewish continuity, and it lies at the heart of a powerful tale in the Talmud. The rabbi is discussing Ezekiel's vision offer as one opinion that what he saw was an allegory rather than an actual resurrection. Or, as the Talmud puts it, emet mashal hayah. In truth, this was an allegory, a vision communicating to the prophets the national resurrection of the Jewish people yet to come following the destruction of Jerusalem. But at one point in the Talmudic discussion, one rabbi in the study hall, Abba Yehuda ben Betera, stands on his feet and announces, those resurrected dead were my ancestors, and here are the tefillin, the phylacteries, that were left to me from them by my father's father. It is an astonishing thing to say, and Yosef Albo, the medieval Jewish philosopher, asserted that we are here being given a guzma, Aramaic for exaggeration. But if it is not a literal statement, what does Rabbi Yehuda mean? Why Tefillin? What ancestors? The point, perhaps, is a statement about Jewish faith itself, the resurrection of the Jewish people being linked to their indomitable spirit. Tfilin in the Midrashic metaphor is a symbol of the relationship of love between God and Israel. Thus, many recite a verse that we will soon study from Hosea, and I will betroth you to me forever, as they wind the straps of the phylacteries around them. The Almighty, the Talmud enigmatically remarks, also places Tefillin, but his phylacteries contain within them parchment inscribed with praises of Israel. Thus, the binding of Tefillin reflects the binds of love. One of the most haunting photos of Nazi cruelty shows Rabbi Moshe Yitzchak Haberman being forced by the Germans to don Tfilin in Olkhez, Poland, before being deported and murdered in Majdanek. The Nazis mocking what, for Jews, is a sacred symbol of our own bond to God. But as we have described in a previous episode of Bible 365, there were so many Jews who, after experiencing the Holocaust, dreamed of putting on Tfilin once again. We mentioned the story of Meyer Birnbaum, an American Jew who served in Patton's army and later ministered to survivors in a DP camp. And we described how everyone wanted to borrow his tefillin. Day after day, those who used to line up before Nazis now lined up to bind themselves to their God and to their past. Hundreds of Jews putting on a single pair of tefillin, taking turns every single day. Bernbaum further reports that decades later, after making Aliyah, he had thought of giving this tefillin away until he saw the reverence. That others showed to the phylacteries utilized by hundreds of survivors and decided to leave his own sons, the tefillin that skeletal inmates used to place in faith and in love, so that now Bernbaum's children can truly say, these are the tefillin worn by the resurrected bones of our people. These are the tefillin left to me by my father. Thus, Ezekiel is shown a resurrected valley of Jews. However, literally we understand this vision. The truth is that all of us can say, with Rabbi Yehuda of the Talmud, These are our people, for we have Jewish brethren, family, friends, who themselves or whose parents overcame the most unimaginable horrors, and who then dedicated themselves to Jewish rebirth and Jewish continuity. Today, Ezekiel's vision of national restoration on the sacred soil of the Holy Land has come to pass. As I noted in my lecture and in commentary, decades after this Friday evening in Bergen-Belsen, an Israeli by the name of Oran Aviv, wrote a small essay describing her attending her son's ceremony of initiation into the IDF. As she writes, she was unmoved by the fanfare until Hatikvah was sung. She writes, quote, My thoughts are with my mother, who 64 years earlier, in perhaps the most horrific nightmare ever known to mankind, sang this song. End quote. In other words, the woman we hear in the BBC recording singing Hatikva was her mother. Aviv wondered at her mother's strength. Quote, despite the atrocities she witnessed and suffered, despite the death march from Auschwitz to Bergen-Belsen, end quote. And she further writes how she wept as she watched the grandchild of this survivor, her son, become an officer in a Jewish army, quote, that did not exist 64 years ago to save these concentration camp prisoners. My mother's hope and determination were not for naught, end quote. It is on Passover, as we will discuss tomorrow, that Ezekiel's vision of the Valley of the Dry Bones is read. In Israel, it is right after Passover that Israelis remember the Holocaust, and soon after that, that they rejoice and celebrate the anniversary of the rise of Israel. We, studying the vision of the Valley of the Dry Bones, ponder its vindication in the Belsin and HaTikvah, and Ezekiel reminds us that those that Leslie Hardman may have initially seen as the weakest specimens of humanity ultimately revealed themselves to be the strongest individuals of all. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.